0: Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Scott and Corey Schneider. That's right, Lighting Unlimited, hot in Arizona. First, let's talk about Scott, uh, the senior, was a veteran of the Chicago electrical supply industry for several years and moved out to Arizona in the 70s to start an electrical distributor with his brother. In 1989, he started Lighting Unlimited as a lighting-only distributor. He built it to four locations through phoenix metro area he's currently the chairman of the board apparently <laughs> <laughs> and of course cory schneider who is not unfamiliar to get a grip on lighting listeners he's been on the program a couple times um, he has a bs in optical engineering from the university of arizona and cory joined his father scott at Letting unlimited in 2008 he took on a leadership role in 2014 um, and received his LC from the NCQLP in 2017. He was president of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors in 2018, and he's now the VP of the Phoenix chapter of the Illuminating Engineering Society. Very active he is, that Cory Schneider, so he is. But before we go there, Greg, we got to go to Light Efficient Design. That's right, led-llc.com,
1: sucker. What do you got? So a lot of lighting distributors, including the three of us on this call here, three being the companies that we represent, are looking at EV chargers. You know, that's something that's been talked about, and we're trying to figure out an angle for it. And I think we might have one now with Light Efficient Design. They have the Breeze EV, and what they're doing is differently than the others is they're actually partnering with distribution. They're not going to sell direct. I'm finding that out as I'm out in the field. A lot of these EV chargers are selling it direct, so they're cutting you out of the equation. Light Efficient Design is not doing that. They have level two chargers, which means it's compatible with every uh, electrical vehicle out there, and you can mix and match the components so it's easy to set up and and replace components down the line, and it's quick shipping made in the U.S., and it it offers an additional revenue stream for your customers. You can tell them that they can now have a vending machine for power by giving EV chargers out. So the Breeze EV by Light Efficient Design, I think we finally have it, Lighting Distributors. That's our ticket. That
0: sounds pretty wild. I looked into it. It's always like, you know, the, the manufacturer makes all the money and the distributor gets 5% and then you got to go figure out how to install it. That's not how distribution works, sucker. You got to let us take a piece of the action. We go figure out the market for you. That's how it goes. That's how the lighting industry has worked for so long. So go to led-llc.com to get your charger on. And of course, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors where lighting means business. Driving, lighting, innovation—all these great taglines. We're getting together September 13th in the in Dallas at the Market Center. There, check it out. And of course, LS Evolve—you got to put your people through that. But for right now, we got Scott and Corey Schneider. What's up, guys?
2: How much? How How you doing? Are you
0: I want to get this chairman of the board thing settled. How did all that happen, Scott? <laughs>
3: Well, I was president for many years, like 30 years, and then I got kicked upstairs by my son.
0: <laughs> Same old story, eh? Yeah. And how did that happen, Corey, and you, from your perspective?
2: Uh, I just kept moving up, and he had nowhere to go, so he went up to the top.
1: You know. <laughs> can't, go, can't get above the chairman of the board. You're the top dog now, Scott. Char- you Char-
2: chairman it's... Emeritus, I think we're calling him now.
1: German
0: Emeritus. Okay,
2: <laughs> he's nice. the chief chief, chief, chief chief golf officer, Lady
3: Unlimited, CGO. I think it, I think it's called the Peter Principle. Okay, that? describe that. The Peter Principle is you keep going up, up, up until you get reach the point where you're totally incompetent. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you're not there yet, I can tell, Scott, but how did you tell us a little bit about the background? I mean, Mike read a little bio, but how did you start lining or why did you start lining Unlimited? How all that? Give us a story.
3: I was, I was in the electrical supply business in Chicago and I moved to Arizona in 79 and started another electrical supply company. And lighting was about 10 percent of our business and i always enjoyed it so when we sold the company in 89 i started lighting unlimited and went 100 percent lighting
1: and you, you guys don't have any electrical uh Distribution right now, you don't do anything that you used to do when you did light.
3: I uh, really didn't up until about three years ago, Corey started taking on some lines that I hadn't seen in 30 years. Uh, uh, we did uh, uh, outlets and uh, started with batteries and uh, uh, smoke detectors and items like that impulse more impulse items at our counters
1: hmm.
3: tools uh,
0: how
1: do you f- yeah Corey? how do you feel about that is that a whole different animal than lighting
2: uh no it's just another widget so it's just no different than you know it's the contractor's already buying them somewhere it's just another part so uh, it's just an add-on sale
1: and it's worked pretty well so far you, you, there's not much you have to learn about it you can just say hey take this thing and get out of here
2: Right. Here's here's a screwdriver. Here's a here's a wall plate. Here's a GFI. Here, I mean, it's not going to go bad. It's just a, you know, it's just a little widget. So.
0: It's that impulse buy on the counter. You guys are so counter strong. Was it always that way, Scott? Did you start off with the counters?
3: yeah when i uh, was in the electrical supply business, our counter was uh always very successful so when I went into the lighting business, I kind of took that with and now our counters are like two thirds of our business you know projects and uh are the other third uh but it it's it really uh helped our business and having uh a different profit center, uh, made a lot of sense when I, outside salespeople, other than outside salespeople.
2: We used to have MRO where the guy would come and buy a case of T eight light bulbs or a a, a 10 ballast or whatever every month. Right. So, uh, that's kind of gone away with all the retrofits. So we see it as our MRO the counter. So the contractors come and they find the projects and every month they're buying, you know, they're finding a new projects, So that's become our MRO because MRO has kind of disappeared. Um, so now our new MRO is the counter. Because they're, so I kinda, they're there every month, you know.
0: I kind of copied me. your counter model. And, you know, what what was interesting is that as I followed that business, what I noticed was that my inventory had to go way up. I had to have way more stuff in stock. And then when we visited you guys, I don't know if it was three or four years ago, I noticed like how important inventory is to your business as, a, as opposed to Greg and I's where we, you know, Greg, you do an inventory once a year, I believe in June.
1: Yep. That's it. Yeah. Whereas
0: I'm constantly doing inventory now all the time. And you guys have four branches. How important is inventory to your business model?
2: It's essential I mean we have probably over a million dollars in inventory and it's constantly you know we're constantly cycle counting I think our guys cycle count every day Um, so it's you know it's the lifeblood of the business you know whoever has the inventory gets the sales
0: and so when you do you when you guys are looking at light bulbs are you stocking all kinds of strange optical lamps and microscope lamps or is it all day-to-day lighting products
3: we used to do a lot more of that. Now we're more on the bread and butter type products. because hmm. that's where
0: you, our, you, where my thinks. So let me just jump in here because I'm I'm yep. I'm curious about my own counter as COVID ends. Like my whole counter program went to shit. Part of my language there, but with the um, with COVID nineteen, it totally you know dismantled it all of a sudden like that. But um, the I was finding that I had to stock a lot of strange SKUs that normally I would special order. And so what you're saying is you're moving away from some of those, you know, JDFs and those weird ANSI codes and just, you know, the stuff that people want to walk in and buy tubes and ballasts and things like that
2: yeah correct so we have I don't know if you look at a pie chart there's the a, b c d items right so mm-hmm. we're trying to heavily increase our a items and decrease our you know c d and x or you know non stock items so
1: and so with this counter business, you have a contractor that comes in and their their purchases is a project. are they expecting that you have the items that they need or they they give you the general idea and you say well, we can use this because that's what we have in stock. Is that how it's working for you guys?
3: Well, if we do a project, they usually they'll bring their plans in and we'll do a okay. takeoff for them. But if it's just a small contractor coming to the counter, they expect us to have most of mm.
0: it,
3: Maybe not all of it. but uh, and, and we. that's why they come to us because our inventory is so uh, vast. Mm-hmm
2: also there's a lot of uh, stocking reps in arizona so you know our reps have large warehouses so if they need something today or tomorrow we just send them to the rep and they go pick it up so mm-hmm. we have virtual warehouses as well
1: hmm. have you found those are pretty accurate inventory counts i mean you're are you and are you using it as an extension of your business in a way you say you know we've got a thousand here i know they've got ten thousand there we've got eleven thousand is that kind of how you you pitch it to people
2: Yep. If you want it today, go get it. Otherwise, we can order it from XYZ manufacturer. It'll be here in two or three days. But if you want it today, this guy's got 1000 over here, 10000 or whatever.
0: You know, that's why, you know, of all the members of Nailed, uh, Lighting Unlimited was always the most education keen. And I think it's, it stems directly from how important education is up to the counter sale see when you have a, a call-in customer there seems to be more time to sort out the problem or to ask someone else in your office but if if you have a lineup at your counter you got to deal with that person right now and that person dealing with them has to be able to solve the problem that the customer has and I, oftentimes you've described it to me as a lot of landscape lighting projects come in people will walk in and they that your your counter sales ha people have a lot of understanding of the different things involved in these various areas whether that's a lighting retrofit or landscape lighting whereas if you came into atlas and, and see asked for uh, landscape lighting you're going to get a lot of uh hang on a second uh michael joe uh there's a there's someone talking crazy so you guys have always been really keen on education um how much of that is taught through ls1 and the, and our programs at nailed and how much of it is just time in the industry and having experience
2: so everybody that's at the counter is required to have LS1 to be LS1 certified. So I think we have like 10 or 15 counter guys, something like that. And everybody is required to take LS1. Um, so that's that's a requirement. And then we've created kind of like a tier system uh, for uh, time in the industry. So there's uh, certain benchmarks they have to meet to be, we have, I think, four tiers. So uh, there, a tier one is just some guy that walks in off the street, maybe, or they start off at tier zero to get to tier one they have to pass lS one go through um, you know a, a vendor training or something they have to be able to lay out a, a landscape lighting job or lay out a, a tape lighting job or something uh, then to get to the next tier they um, have to uh, be able to identify a retrofit opportunity or identify some sort of opportunity beyond what their current capability is and they have to be they, they can't they can't complete that opportunity by themselves, they need somebody to help them. Then I think for mm. tier three, they're able to mm. identify the opportunity, uh, but only can f- they need a little bit of help. And then a tier four is like, we call it like a counter pro or like a, a lighting pro basically. And they can take the job from soup to nuts. They they know how to complete the job completely. So it's a, a way for our counter to progress uh, and have different benchmarks and tiers to, as they grow uh, to, to get stronger and stronger.
0: I absolutely love that. You just described like the various levels of my employees perfectly in a, in an accurate structured format. Do you want to work for Atlas? No. Just... <laughs>
2: yeah. My, my lighting controls
1: suck. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> so Scott, I assume you're a, a tier four then. <laughs> <laughs> Five. Five. <laughs> you're above it all. Um, going back to kind of when you started so 1989 and you have four locations now that's right yeah um when did you open your second location it's probably about six years after we
3: opened i mean it took a while to get up to a certain point where we could have enough people to staff a second branch but I I would say we haven't opened up a new branch but Corey, what would you say? 15 years we've had something like that. And uh, you know, when things, when the counter started out, we had a lot of retail business and the way we started that was we had Home Depot help us. We would go over and give them flyers about our company to all the Home Depots and Lowe's and They never carried, they carried the A items only, and we carried the B, C, and D items. And when a customer, when they didn't have something that the customer wanted, they sent them to one of our branches. And then LEDs came out and having the B, C, and D items really didn't matter as much. So we kind of got away from the retail and went to the small to medium-sized contractors. And that's how our counters really grow, grew.
0: It's almost and, like lighting yeah. unlimited is a, is, is like people are, these contractors are, are almost using you as a strategic resource for their businesses as a lighting experts, as people that have stock. It's almost like I noticed the same thing as I grew my counter business where the electricians would be coming in and instead of just buying stuff, they wanted to know the solution to the problem that they were facing with their client. And, and that that drives a lot of revenue because those guys will come in and they'll spend ten thousand dollars right there on the counter if you have the stuff mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it's it, it's a good business if you have the people on the counter that can manage it um, so it, yeah i mean I, I really I really love the model like in the age when everyone's going digital um it, there there seems to be a vacuum there, especially in the lighting business where you know the electrical guys are not as good can't do that. And they're definitely, you can develop a business where you you have contractors coming in and making big orders right there with their credit cards mm-hmm. on the counter. I love the I love the model. Um, Greg, keep going, but you have a list oh, of yeah. questions. I just fly by. i got... <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's right. I am too. But uh, the residential versus commercial. What percent of your business is residential? Uh, it's
2: significantly. Uh, we we've uh, we put in actually. We've tried to discourage the residential from coming to our. Our counters, actually, we implemented about two years ago, we we hired a a CFO that's now our CEO, and he's uh, he had some really good uh, distribution ideas. And and we implemented a twenty five dollar minimum for retail customers because we we did a analysis of our Scottsdale store and we saw that we did 10 transactions a day under ten dollars and it was killing our uh, cost per sale. So we implemented a $25 minimum order and it's weeded out a lot of the retail customers and it's allowed our uh, counter guys to focus on the small to mid-sized contractors. And what we realized is a lot of our small to mid-sized contractors were using us for, we call it like the booty call business. They'd come to us and they'd basically use us for our knowledge, buy the weird application that they needed, and then they'd never use us again. And what we found is Mm -hmm. that if our counter guys have more time to spend with those contractors they won't we won't be a booty call they'll actually we'll say hey why don't you use this for your regular business and instead of them going to the electrical supply house for their day-to-day light bulbs now they're coming to us for their day-to-day light bulbs so it's been a it's been a huge uh, upgrade for us
1: you might have answered it right there but did you did you guys ever consider doing a a residential showroom style decorative fixtures or anything like that with the, the business like it is in arizona
3: I, uh, in Chicago, I, we had a fixture showroom and I just never really wanted to get involved with that. Uh, you know, people you'd have hundreds and hundreds of fixtures on the ceiling and the people would come in and they wouldn't even look at the ceiling. They said, show me your books. They wanted to look in catalogs. Of course, you don't do that today but mm. that's, that's the yeah. way it was back then. They wanted to pick it out of a catalog and it just took a lot of time. And yep. we felt that uh, concentrating on the contractors would be much more profitable.
1: Mm. Good. And <clears throat> Corey, you touched on it, but let's dive into it a little. Um, so you guys are the owners of the company, Scott and Corey, but you're not the CEO. Tell us about how that went down.
2: Um, so let's see. Uh, so I started uh, getting into the management with Scott maybe eight or nine years ago and we grew the company maybe two or three times the size and um, we were very sales heavy and very uh, lacking on operations and um, so we kind of had a uh, uh, an inverted pyramid structure where everybody was uh, reporting to me and um, And it wasn't really working very well because I had 30 people reporting to me and it was very difficult to manage. So I tried to bring in some people and it didn't really work out. And so, uh, over time, I met this, this other gentleman and, uh, he's helped us kind of add some structure to our company. And now we have kind of like a top down pyramid structure. And, um, now when I'm like, I'm not very good, uh, dealing with the employees. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll tell them, hey, you're doing a great job. Everything's going well. And they'll walk out of there and say, oh, he just said I was terrible. I don't know what, you know, like, I don't know. And then this other guy, will walk in there and say, you guys are terrible. You know, uh, you need to improve this and this. And they'll say, great. Oh, my God. I'll, I'll, I'll run through walls for you, sir. And I'll do, you know, whatever you need. Now, how
0: the just, hell does that work? I need to I, figure I, out that secret. Because, <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, that is such a mystery. Is it people's intelligence? Are they, like, I, I I've... I, I can't get it through my head. It's like, is it a body language thing? Like, I don't understand how some people can do that. I really don't.
2: I, I just don't have what it, you know, I don't have that gene right now, I guess. And so this guy comes in and he adds professionalism to us that we don't offer, I guess. And it's, it seemed to seem to have been work out really well so far. Why? Well,
0: I, yeah. I think, I think the Achilles heel is that like, I know you quite well. We've spent a lot of time socially to with one another and you're, right. you're quite Frank and Kurt, uh, Corey. Sure. And I love that. Like Greg and I, that's what we love about you. It's like, you're just going to call it like you see it. But I think, you know, with employees, they, a lot of people can't handle that level of frankness, quite frankly. Um, you know, and I, that's what I love about Corey, Greg, is when I talk to Corey, he, right. he'll say, that's really stupid. <laughs> like He'll <laughs> tell you that right to your face, right you know, or that, guess what? That person's a moron, Michael. That's the problem. <laughs> It's not, it's not, you're not doing a bad job. The person's a moron. Um, And, and like, but I I think I'm, I'm very similar to Corey and I share that frankness. And I think it turns people off. They don't really want to know the truth. They just want to know what to do. And some people, you know, some people are very good at avoiding the frankness and just telling people what to do. And I think that's where it comes off to you is like, Well, I was being so honest with the guy and trying to tell him what's good, but then he walks out depressed. But this guy constructively criticism so successful is so successful that the guy walks out beaming and I don't get it. I think it's got to do with the the curtness and the frankness that
2: Hundred percent. That's that's why we did it. I mean, I we <laughs> identified it, and we know it's a, it's an issue. I got to work on. As a-
0: I don't think it's an issue. I think it's your, it's your just your best and worst quality. It's one of those things that you can't really change. It just it's who you are, and it's what makes I, you uh, great and makes you bad. Human resources manager.
2: My aunt calls it a uh, a blurting problem. I have a blurting problem.
0: But I love your bloating problem. That's why I love hanging out with you. It's like <laughs> Corey, we're having this problem with this person. Da, 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 da. Dude, she's a moron. Oh, okay. Thanks, Ben. Corey just summed it up.
1: <laughs> so, you Scott, how, what do you, what do you how do you feel about the structure and how you've seen it change in, since you started it? Well, we
3: definitely needed uh help on our infrastructure. But uh you know, I, I've been taking a, a lesser uh, position with the company. You know, I'm, Corey's really doing, running the company and making all decisions. And if he wants my opinion, he asks me. Uh, but he's done a great job. So, you know, I get to do what I like to do, which is play golf and uh, a few other things. And it gives me the time. I still come in every day. I'm... I'm here when he needs me, and it's worked out great.
0: Now, when you talk about infrastructure, which is infra- interesting, you're, you're talking about the infrastructure of the human resources. Yeah. Yeah, that's such Correct. a brilliant description of it. Like, that's what it is. It's, it's actually an infrastructure of people. I love that, sure. Greg.
2: We called it, uh, we, we built a house of cards on no foundation, or I did. And then uh, to, we brought in this uh, manager, his name's Todd, and uh, we've kind of built a foundation. And now we're kind of building a house on that foundation. It's seemed to really help dramatically. You know, having, having people right. that report to other people, um, as opposed to just going straight to the top, has has been, uh, has been very helpful for us.
1: And and you've told me this story, Corey, but as much as you can and want to share, how did you find this person? And what did they they started as something else, I, I believe, and they mm-hmm. became the CEO. So give us that how that went down.
2: Uh, so we as of I think like four, 10 years ago, uh, we were uh, completely on handwritten paper tickets. So somebody would come to our store and that we'd handwrite the sales order on a piece of paper, double sided carbon paper. And then we would uh, look up the price in the catalog. We'd uh, find the price, then you'd uh, you know write it out, get the calculator out, calculate the tax, You know calculate how many it is, give the guy the double-sided sheet of paper, and then the guy would drive from our Scottsdale store to our, all of our other stores, pick up the tickets, and then he'd type it up in the computer. So that was the structure, I think, 10 or 12 years ago. And we uh, bought this uh, software package uh, called, it's called DDI Systems, or Inform is the is the package. And it's uh, basically, we computerized the company. Um, So I was at the software convention about four years ago. I met this guy and uh, we were having, uh, you know, our books were kind of antiquated. And so he said, Hey, I need some, you know, if you ever need help with your books, I'm a part-time CFO. I work for this other company. If you need any help, uh, I'd love to help you out. And so I took him up on the offer, uh, you know, six months later. And he came in and was a part-time CFO, and he helped clean up our books, clean up our, you know, how our stuff was going. I then uh, was trying to put in a COO or a guy, an operations manager, and it didn't really work out. And he said, "Hey, I have some COO experience." I said, "Great, we need that." And then uh, you know, it kind of spiral from there.
3: So,
0: you know what? You know what's always struck me about Scott and then also about Corey is they have what of all of all the people Scott I've ever met in business, okay, they have the most humility. Like every time I meet Scott at a conference or Corey at a conference, they're always saying, I have this problem. I'm not doing this well. I wanna be better at this. Mm-hmm. And that to be honest with you, it's usually the opposite at most conventions that I go to with Nailed words. I'm the best at this. Don't you know? You know, whatever. But Scott and Corey were always so interested in solving their problems. And I think that's a sec- one of the secrets to success. It's like just recognizing that you have a problem and that you need to fix it and that you're not so good. And this is where I'm good at and I'm not good here and I need other people to do this for me. I think that's like such great leadership. And I'm not trying to kiss your asses, but I'm just saying that I noticed that, that a lot of people go to these conventions and brag. And I always found Scott and Corey at the conventions to solve their problems. I don't know what you think about that, Greg, unique to them.
1: Oh yeah. A hundred percent. You summed it up perfectly. It it, it is always that way. You guys have a great business. You have an awesome facility. We've seen it. I haven't seen your new one, but you know, even before that and and to hear you guys are always like, I'm trying to figure this out that's great. And that, you know, that is inspiring to other business owners too, to kind of make us relook and think about what we're doing. And, you know, we all have our downfalls too, and, and we just have to admit it work on it and try to get better, learn from these guys how to do it. So Corey, what, what's your role now? What are you primarily doing?
2: Uh, so right now I'm doing accounting actually, because uh, we can't find people. So uh, no, I'm doing, uh, I'm, I'm actually uh doing um just sale uh, working on our sales department right now so uh, sure. that's kind of my focus uh we have uh we just got this um national contract of uh, privatized army lodging uh basis so it's like 18 bases across the country and uh so we have a gentleman that works for us actually in nashville and um so i'm working with him to kind of grow that uh opportunity um so like traveling to these army bases and uh Every, every, um, every, they have like 40,000 houses across the country. And every year they're redoing the houses and upgrading the lodging. Um, So we're trying to expand that market, basically.
1: That's great. Moving out of Arizona somewhat then, huh? Uh,
2: Just with this customer. So (laughs)
1: just with that one.
0: I can't believe that we're already coming up on 30 minutes. And I want to, there's something else I, I know a lot of nailed. Uh, members kind of face the same issue and that is succession um scott was was cory brought in to take over the company when he first started was that your vision or did it just happen on its own
3: uh probably a little of both i mean he came in obviously he wanted to make his career in lighting uh he had worked in the fiber optics uh uh, area for about three or four years after college, and then he came in. And uh, yes, he he excelled, obviously, smart kid. And uh, uh, the succession was a problem for me, not for him. Uh, the problem was my ego didn't want me to, didn't want to let go of anything, any hmm. management or anything like that. And he pushed and pushed and pushed, and I came to the realization that I wasn't the future of the company, he was. Hmm. And it took a while for me to realize that, and so I kept giving him more and more. He kept asking for more and more, and we became partners about, what would you say, Corey, 10 years ago, 8 years ago, something like that? Eight, 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 something like that eight years ago and it's worked out well for both of us
0: talk to me a little bit cory about the friction so he you know um there's obviously you know we all have an ego especially as business owners and and we, you know sometimes we can't see where we're you know maybe crowding others out was there any friction between you and scott i'm not mm-hmm. talking about screaming and yelling across the office which does happen by the way in some family businesses let's not oh, kid yeah. ourselves okay what was what was the friction like and and how did you sort of de-escalate that but then also continue to push
2: uh yeah there's definitely friction um uh how did i de-escalate it uh obviously we we love and respect each other um you you know he built a great company um and uh, you know i respect what he did but as he's gotten older his desire to to do things has lessened but he's still you know he's got those gray hairs for a reason um so you know he knows he knows you know you know every once in a while he pulls something out and it just pisses me off because he's like he, he he knows it it's just like how the hell did he know that um so uh, but as far as as far as um de-escalating or things like that um we actually had a business consultant you guys know that's helped us a, a ton is uh, this gentleman steve eppner um, mm. he's helped kind of uh open up both of our eyes to each other's position and helped us uh, work through a lot of our he's kind of like a what a therapist for us i guess or uh, you know he's been a business coach and helped us uh, a ton over the last 10 years
0: and so when you so that now that the was there a point at which there was a blowout at um you know um uh i was gonna say easter but um at uh a passover was there a family screaming <laughs> yeah. match or something like that that characterized the finish or something like that
2: uh yeah my mother has always been uh she likes she had uh the, the one time we had a blowout. she had a uh w- a whiteboard session she's very proud of herself she's you know she brought out a whiteboard because she was a school teacher and she put out a whiteboard and said all right Corey, you're responsible for this scott you're responsible for this uh, you know like little <laughs> charts, and she was uh, that was probably the only uh, real blowout we had. The rest has been pretty cordial. I, would say. I mean, there's, there's obviously the day-to-day uh, father-son uh, stuff. But, uh, yeah, she's, she's the moderator. She's actually his boss. So I have uh, – you know, if I have, to, I have to overrule him, I call her. So.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I love the fact that uh, your mom came in, sat you down, drew a line, and then yep. put two headings under it and said, okay, well, who's doing what it's, uh, yep. it's interesting how the dynamic of family businesses, uh, Corey, do you have any final thoughts for the, the get a grip on lighting listeners and particularly the nailed distributors out there that are listening to this? Uh, uh
2: do the LS one. It's been a, it's been a great program for us. Um, it's been extremely helpful for us. I think we've, as a company, we've probably put 40 people through it, probably more. Um, and uh, we continue to use it to
3: this day um, and do what is it,
0: the LS Evolve? And uh, yeah. Yeah, LS Evolve, baby, that's what you need. <laughs> Scott, any more uh, thoughts for the, the listeners? I, like
3: I would say to any distributor who's not a member of Nail, they should join. I've been a member for like 25 years ish, and I've never gone to a convention where I didn't bring something back that I could use in the business. Some have been big and, and a few have just been little changes. But it's made a big difference. Plus all the people that I met that are my f- uh, friends for years. And, and mm. it's, I would recommend everyone joining Nailed.
0: Amen to that. Folks, Greg, if you made it to the end here, um, we want to thank Uh, Scott and Corey and what do you want to do here Greg I think we've got to talk about what light efficient design that's right led-llc.com I love those guys always coming up with something creative and new that nobody else has Greg Eric and that's the truth
1: that's right and especially from a lighting company that you know and trust they have EV chargers now so if you're a lighting distributor and you are thinking about getting into it you definitely need to check that out because they are partnering with distribution only they're not selling it direct they make it in the U.S. Quick shipping, level two charger works with everything, and you can sell an additional revenue stream for your customers.
0: Check and all out. those contractors out there, Lighting Unlimited has sixty-five of these. In, no, I'm in stock at their. I'm just joking. <laughs> I don't know how that's all going to work. Maybe we're going to be stocking them on our counters at some point. And of course, light efficient designer is a proud member of the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, as all three of us are, or well, there's four of us here, but three companies. And we'd like to invite you guys to join. If you're a lighting distributor, like this is the place to be. you got to join up. And if you're an electrical distributor who's lighting heavy, come on, get in here. So that means that you have a counter an order desk, and things, and you stock lighting products in your warehouse. Those are the key conditions to being a member of Nailed. And of course, come to our convention, April, uh, April, September 13th, Dallas Market Center, be there or be square. And if you've made it this far, all the way to the end of the Get a
3: Grip On Lighting podcast, we're going to send nothing but love out to you people. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.